Hey guys, if you are new, welcome. If you were with us last week, welcome back. Uh, my name is Brennan. I am teaching the North Boulevard Fuel class for the summer. And our theme this summer is only human. And what we're looking at is how humans are encountering God throughout the Bible and how we can kind of apply that to the world that we live in. So real quick, shameless plug. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, we are fuels um, forward slash forward slash North Boulevard. If you would like to check out our YouTube channel, we are the North Boulevard Fuel Class. And also, if you have any questions for me, comments, concerns, complaints, whatever they may be, uh, Brendan Alexander at mtcscougars.org. Feel free to shoot me an email. I promise I check it. I will be happy to hear from you, happy to talk to you. So something I want to get out of the way really, really quick. Um, I recorded the class last week, and thank you so much for all of you that watched, um, responded. Really, really appreciated the feedback so far on that. Um, I feel the need to encourage the, the fact that I have a great mother that loves me very much. She said that I depicted her as mean in our last lesson from times that I said I was scared or I was going to be punished. So, Mom, Michelle, if you're watching this, I love you very much. You're a wonderful mother. Don't ever forget it. So, now that we have addressed that and we can move forward. So, last week we started in the book of Genesis. Um, we started in the very beginning. We talked about how as humans we are God's most sacred creation. He made the entire world, but he wasn't done until he made us. And once he made us, he blessed us more than we could ever fathom. But that blessing also came with some boundaries and it came with some responsibilities. And when those boundaries and when those responsibilities are broken, God has always and will always provide consequences. And finally, humans inherently want to know more than God. And the fact is we do not. As we looked at the story of Adam and Eve and the tempting in the garden, and even after God had said clearly, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve said, no, we know better than God. That's going to be good for us. And they decided to do it anyway. And there were consequences. We want so bad to know more than God does. But the fact is we cannot and we will not. So that's where we left off last week. This week, we are going to pick up in the book of Exodus. So I made a comment last week that I watched it a few times and I felt bad. Um, when I began talking about the book of Genesis, I said, I know you've all read it. I know you've all heard it. And that's kind of an arrogant thing for me to say. Um, if you have never picked up a Bible before, a time in your life, and you were watching this for the first time, I apologize for that because maybe you don't know. And so I wanted a little bit better job of that. And I, that was just a comment I made that I wanted to improve on. But we're going to pick up in the book of Exodus. So the book of Exodus follows the account of God's people, the Israelites, leaving oppression from the nation of Egypt. Now, the Egyptians were the most powerful empire the world had ever seen in their time. They built beautiful cities, had powerful armies, and they built this on the back of Hebrew Israelite slaves. God's people were imprisoned by the Egyptians, taken into captivity, and they built this empire. And so the book of Exodus is where God finally said, enough, I'm bringing you out of here. And there's a very important man that he uses to do that, and his name is Moses. Now, Moses was born a Hebrew. So when Moses was born, Pharaoh had noticed a problem. The Israelite people were growing faster than the Egyptian people. I don't know if you know how controlling um, or imprisoning a group of people works. When there's more of them than there are of you, that gets difficult to hold down. So Pharaoh came up with a plan. The leader of Egypt, he said, let the girls live, but any boy born to a Hebrew family, kill them or throw them in the river. 
His thinking being, if I get rid of all the, all the young boys, they'll never be able to grow into men that can fight against me one day. And so it's right after this order and this decree that Moses is born. So Moses' mother decides that she's going to save her son. And so she takes and she makes a basket. And after Moses is born, she sets him into it, puts a lid on it, and she sends him down the river, hoping that somebody will find him and save him. And the person that finds him and saves him actually lives in Pharaoh's palace. And so Moses is actually raised inside the palace of Pharaoh. He grows up as Egyptian royalty. He becomes a trusted advisor. He becomes a trusted leader. Until one day, he's about 40 years old. And he looks up and he sees that there is an overseer beating a Hebrew viciously. He was upset over something he had done wrong with his work. He said he wasn't working hard enough. And he's beating this man and it looks like he's going to kill him. And so Moses intervenes. He takes the whip away from the overseer and he ends up killing the overseer. And so word gets out that Moses had killed this man and Moses becomes afraid. So he flees into the desert, worried that he would be executed for killing an Egyptian. And he runs and he hides in the desert. And he starts a family there and he lives there for 40 years. So he was 40 years old when he killed this overseer and when he fled to the desert. He lives there for 40 years. So an 80-year-old Moses is who we're going to be focusing on. This is the life he has lived, which has already been absolutely insane. Put into a river, rescued into royalty, given everything he could ever dream of, being hunted as a criminal, fleeing into hiding as a refugee. And that's where we pick up in his story. And believe it or not, this is the good part. So we pick up in Exodus chapter 3. And so Moses is walking through the wilderness and he looks up and he sees a burning bush. It's on fire, it's lit brightly, but the bush doesn't seem to be being burned up. And so chapter 3, verse 3 of the book of Exodus says, So Moses thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So a couple of things I want to pull out of this right away. God demands attention from his servant in this place. And he's not subtle about it. He literally appears as a bright, burning light in this bush. As soon as Moses approaches this bush, God tells him, take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. So not only does God demand attention, God demands respect. And that is one of the most terrifying aspects of our faith. Because a lot of times we think, hey, I, I, I can say that God's there. I can come sing on Sundays. I can put the bumper sticker on. I can get the fish tattoo. I can wear the shirt, whatever it's going to be. As long as I'm giving him attention, I've done my job. But he also demands respect. And that's where the challenge comes into play. Because you'll notice 
It immediately says that when he reveals who he is to Moses, he immediately hides his face because he is afraid to look upon God. Showing God the proper respect and the proper authority is a scary concept to a lot of us. And we give up a lot of control of our life to show that respect instead of showing it to God. And that is a very difficult and hard concept for us to give that up. Like I said, Moses was afraid to view the face of God because he didn't know what that was going to be. And you got to think, this guy has lived a life. Literally from the moment he was born, his life has been in danger. He has been persecuted because of his race. He has been persecuted because of his crimes. He's hid for 80 years now to disguise who he is to make sure that he lives. And that man was afraid to show who he really was to God. Truly being face-to-face -face with God, having that encounter is terrifying to us because it doesn't just take attention, it also takes respect. And sometimes we don't know what that looks like. So we keep going and we pick up in verse 10. God says, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So you've got to remember the Israelites have been enslaved to the Egyptians for a long time. The Egyptians are the most powerful army in the world at this time. This isn't like a little, hey, go round everybody up. We're going to go camping. Let's get out of here. This is a big thing to say. And Moses immediately says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And I think this is a place that we really, really struggle as Christians God doesn't hesitate to send us to carry out his will, ever. Time and time again throughout the Bible, throughout history, God has taken his people, sent them, and said, I've got your back, let's do this thing. But we really, really still want to question this. It kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. We, for whatever reason, think that we know or we understand better than the creator of the universe and literally all of existence. That arrogance can only exist in humanity to believe that we may know more than he does. But we time and time again say, God, I, you know, that, that's great. I hear you. I'm sure that that's going to be a great deal, but I, I'm not your guy, am I? It's not really me that you want. But God stands with us and stands beside us in these situations. And he leads the way for us. He will do amazing and beautiful things through us and in us. And we're going to come back to this in just a little bit. So we jump into chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Because Moses is still not on board with this. And he said, God, I, just, I, I don't think I'm the guy. I don't think I'm the dude. And he says, well, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. So again... Moses is speaking directly to God, the creator of the universe, and is questioning if God's going to give him the power to talk to people and make them believe him. And the Lord says to them, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Again, biblically, snakes are terrifying, horrible creatures. We're going to keep circling back to that until you believe me. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. 
This, said the Lord God, is so they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. And then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, the Lord said. And so Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. God doesn't hesitate to reveal himself. In these situations and all situations, when you are called, he is not afraid to show you what he is, his power, and what he is about. A lot of times, he's not the one worried about it. We are. You know, Moses, he directly shows him by turning a staff into a snake, putting his hand in, you know, and giving it a disease and then healing him immediately of a disease that was usually a death sentence in that time. And quick as that, God's not afraid to reveal himself to us and to show what he can do and how he can do very, very quickly. And yet still, Moses is afraid. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So just to recap, Moses has now encountered God in a burning bush, acknowledged that he's the creator of the universe, watched him turn a staff into a snake, back into a staff, watched him give him a leprous disease on his hand, put it inside of his cloak, take it back out, and heal him. These are all the things that Moses has seen happen, and yet still, he's not sure God can let him speak the right words, right? He's seen God do all these incredible and amazing things just in an instant, not abstract, you know, ob uh, subjective things. He watched these things happen, and still he's going, I, I, I don't know, God. I don't. I still don't think I'm your guy. Maybe, maybe there's another guy. You know, I'm just, I'm not a great, I'm not a great, I'm not great with words, you know. And I, it feels like you want somebody better with words. And God says to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. This is somewhere that I always kind of laugh. When people are hesitant to speak God's word, people are hesitant to share his will, and people are hesitant to help others because they say, well, uh, that's just, I'm not really gifted in that. I'm not really strong in that. You know, uh, according to my Enneagram, I'm a three, and apparently that's going to take a five, and, you know, really I'm a wing two, and that just really doesn't line up, which... That's just not really how I think this whole thing is supposed to work. And I love that God says, when he says, I can't speak, who gave you your mouth? Who makes people deaf or mute? Who gives sight or makes them blind? I will give you whatever you need to make this happen. All you have to do is accept it and go. But Moses says again, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Wow. Wow. Moses has directly spoken to God, looked at God, you know, as close to in the face as you can get, watched sign and sign and sign, and he's still afraid to do what God asks him to do. That's not just a Moses thing. That's a us thing. That's a people thing. I've talked a lot about, you know, different things that we have learned about people. God will give you the words to say. God will give you the strength to do 
You've just got to accept it. And part of that acceptance is putting away your fear. And that's very, very hard for us. And it's something that we will do anything to get around and to prevent. This is a space that um, I've prayed a lot about what I'm about to say, and I feel pretty confident in it. Um, it is not the Christian thing to do, the follower of the God and the creator of the universe, to stay out of the way of helping people that are hurting in our world. Um, so often you see time and time again people the thing that the one that wears me out, people saying, you know, we're we're not of this world, and so really we don't need to worry about the problems that are inside of it. That's not really for me to handle. That's not my thing. That's not my place. Are you kidding me? We just read in Genesis, God created us to be caretakers of the world. It absolutely is our problem. And I firmly believe that when you look at all of the things that are going on in our world and our country right now, one of the only things, not one of, the only thing that is going to fix that and is going to repair these things is God in people's hearts. But hang on. This is a space and a time where the phrase thoughts and prayers get thrown around a lot and no action comes with it. We say that things like racism are a heart issue and only God can heal the heart. But what we are looking at right now in this story is God saying, yes, this is a heart issue and I'm going to use you to fix it. As we dive into the story of the Exodus, which we're not going to go through all of it today, it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened time and time again. And God uses Moses and God uses his brother Aaron. God kind of has enough of Moses. He has enough of his hesitation. He has enough of his concerns. And he says, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. He'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you as if he were your mouth. God empowers us to make change. And sometimes, I will give you this, our space is to empower others. I'm a teacher. That's kind of all of what I do. Much on the secret. I failed organic chemistry hard. The only reason I didn't have an F was because I took that first test. I walked out of the room. I've never seen the grade a day in my life. I dropped, I dropped the class. There's maybe a chance that if every answer was please leave blank, I may have pulled out a 60. I'm not an organic chemist, but I believe very strongly that my place in life is empowering people to do amazing things that the kids I work with are going to turn into doctors. They're going to turn into lawyers. They're going to turn into ministers. They're going to turn into all these amazing, wonderful things. And so I have found my place in empowering others. God's okay with that. But taking the Christian attitude that because we're Christians, we cannot involve ourselves and the worries and concerns and the difficulties of the world. It's just not right. You look at the story of Exodus. You look at, you know, the Israelite people were oppressed and hurting. And God said, you are my people. Here's what we're going to do. And over the course of the book of Exodus, 
He overthrows the mightiest empire the world had ever seen. Buried their army in the bottom of a sea. Literally left them paying treasure and goods and food and animals to the Israelites just to leave. Brought them to their knees to protect his people. And he did that through Moses and through Aaron. Being a Christian isn't staying out of it. Being a Christian is doing everything you can to make sure that God's vision of the world is being brought to life. Being a Christian is not being afraid to say names like Breonna Taylor and Botham Jean. Being a Christian is being willing to roll up your sleeves and say, these are God's people. These are God's children. What do I need to do to care for them and bring about the world that best shows God's heart? So, your takeaway. We're called to action. He does it time and time again through the Old and the New Testament. We're not supposed to sit idly by. We don't have, you know, we don't have to worry because we know that we're God's children and we know that win, lose, or draw, there's a reward for us in heaven. God calls his people to action. He doesn't call us to sit on the sidelines. He doesn't call us to stay out of things and ignore things. We are called to enact his will on this earth. And that's messy. When we talk about, you know, we don't have to worry, you're right, because our reward isn't here. It's in heaven with him. That's right. We don't have to worry, but it doesn't mean we get a free pass. He doesn't call us to stay on the sidelines. He calls us to step up and enact his will on the world. Action is scary. Moses was afraid because he was about to take on the most powerful empire the world had ever seen. Armies, chariots, horses, swordsmen, spears. And a king that was considered by most as a god in Pharaoh. That was what he was up against. He was scared. We are all scared. It is scary to take on things of that nature. It's scary to be willing to talk about extending God's love to everybody, to be willing to talk about racism, to be willing to talk about showing the world God's love no matter what somebody looks like, sounds like, or talks like. But here's the kicker. God will equip you with what you need. Time and time again, Moses says, well, God, I don't know if I can do this. And he says, okay, take this. Uh, well, I don't know if I can do that. Okay, take this. Okay, even then, I don't know if I can do it alone. Okay, take him. When you open yourself up to what God has in store for you and the changes in the world that he wants to make with you, he will provide everything that you need. I'm going to wrap us up with a prayer. Thank you so much for um, tuning in, dialing in again. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Please feel free to check us out. Um, I love all of you. Hope you're having an amazing week. I hope that um, something from this sticks. And yeah, um, God, just thank you so much for um, challenging us. Thank you so much for giving us a um, giving us a direction and using us as tools of your will on this earth, God. Um, please give us courage, God. Please give us strength, um, especially in trying times as they are right now. Um, 
I just ask that you give your people and you give your followers the strength to make things right. The strength to offer love, the strength to offer peace, the strength to offer comfort. God, I pray for the leaders of our country. Um, I ask that as they're trying to navigate, um, as they're trying to navigate this world, God, as they're trying to navigate making a country that um, I want to say reflects you, God, but I don't know if that's the case anymore. But um, I do pray that your vision and your will be on their hearts. I pray that you be on their minds. Um, and I help, I just ask that you guide them, God. Um, God, we're, just, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for um, the gifts you've given us. We're so thankful for um, the world you've given us. And um, we just ask that you continue to empower us and give us strength in enacting your will on this world, God. Um, we love you so much. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. See you next week.